you don't get church teaching sometimes and how the church words things um that's ultimately what it is you know the, a covenant is pretty much in its lang terms a ride or die you know and to the to the extreme i mean you know the man went on the cross for all of us you know what i'm saying so like you, you can't get any more ride or die than that you know like he was gonna stick with you to the point where he sacrificed himself for you Welcome to another Project Whetstone podcast, episode number 002. I'm Bro Rye, along with Brother Jeremy Mallet and Brother Carlo Terrell, and we are here with Blaze Ministry 707, where we are sharing our Catholic faith and our experiences growing up in the 707. Um, if you don't know our story yet, be sure to check out the podcast where we share how Christ connected us 25 plus years ago at St. Basil's the Great in Vallejo, California, and how we got to where we are today. So thank you for tuning in today. Yes, we are in the first Sunday of Lent. Yes, the first Sunday of Lent. The title of this podcast is God is Faithful. Yes, God is Faithful. And we pray that your Lenten season, we know it's only been a couple days is off to a great start in true normal fashion we're we're going to just look at these readings for this first sunday of lent bring a little context bring a little flavor bring a little practicality to it bring a little different insight from all of our different perspectives which is what i love about this podcast because we get to really just break it down in so many ways and with so many different lenses so we're going to go ahead and kick it off to brother jay so the first reading comes from the book of genesis chapter 9 verses 8 through 15 genesis chapter 9 Verses 8 through 15. Jay, take it away. Right. So this, uh, the reading comes after all the, the well-known events of Noah, the ark, the flood, the destruction of the earth so that it could be repopulated by Noah's family and the two of every creature that he took on the ark with him. What we see here is right after all that, it rained for 40 days and then it dried for 40 days and then uh, they were able to come out of the ark. God forms this covenant, and I believe this is the first time those words are are used. The word for covenant, you know, the, there was a proto evangelium, like a which was a kind of uh, foreshadowing of the gospel, the first gospel spoken to Adam and Eve. But this is the first covenant that God establishes with <clears throat> with humanity. This covenant sign is the rainbow. It's to signify that He will never destroy the earth by flood. Uh, and never destroy the earth by water again. And so he's forming this covenant. Whenever you see a rainbow, the writers of Genesis is saying that we're meant to call to mind our this primal covenant between God and and, and the earth. That kind of leads us to what the theme of the readings is, uh, which is that God upholds and fulfills his covenant in those who repent, purify themselves, and commit themselves to the gospel. So let's just like backtrack, right? Because we always hear about Noah's Ark and we always hear about the flood and the two by two. Um, and when, as you're saying in this, as the theme throughout the readings is about this idea that God is going to keep his or he keeps his promise, right? He makes his covenant with those who are faithful to him. So meaning, you know, Noah in this example, 
right? And his sons, like he's like, they're being faithful, they're being obedient. But I think something to point out here, especially in this first Sunday of Lent, is this idea of number one, water being used as we tie water into our baptism. So I love how water in the Old Testament is washing all these things away to, you know, um, to start fresh and to start new. And again, it's Old Testament, y'all. So this is pre-Jesus days for all of our listeners now. And uh, we use the word prefigure, which also means to foreshadow. So we're prefiguring Jesus's baptism here. So something to really think about in how these readings are being set up for us. Again, this is not anything that we're just pulling out week by week because this is what we want to talk about, but this is just going along with the cycles of the readings in the church. So water is just refreshing, is is cleansing, and you see the, the number 40 in here, or we talk about the 40 days of Lent. So I think this is a great first reading, even in this season of Lent to just remind us of our baptism, of our partnership. But like you said, bro, Jay, it's like, but if we're not faithful to our promise, then in a sense, then why should God be faithful to his? Well, uh, God makes his covenant with everyone, you know, and, and especially this, this primal covenant. St. Paul says that even if we're unfaithful, God remains faithful. <laughs> so let's, let, I just don't want to mislead anyone listening that, you know, God will uphold his end of the deal, even if we're not. <laughs> but what's important is that uh, God fulfills his covenant in us through our faithfulness. You know, we have to accept and, you know, do, uphold our part of it. That's the way we accept God's end of the deal, because God is going to do it. <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, no. Great clarification. Because, and again, and let me bring context to that too. Is is and what I was meaning was, you know, there's a lot of times people will always blame God for not having this or not having that, or not having their prayers answered. And I would always use an analogy: Well, should someone get paid if they don't go to work? And I always use an analogy in my confirmation class: Well, how can we expect blessings if we're not even doing God's work, right? And again, this isn't like I do this and you're going to do this for me. It's not that kind of exchange in the sense that you're talking about, because God is going to, is going to fulfill his promise regardless. But I just use it as for all the folks out there who struggle with God or who, if things don't go their way, their plan, I think there is this, you know, natural tendency to blame God. And then they end up not believing in God, but God has always been there. God will always be there. And God is still working in us, even if we reject him in whatever form or sense. So yeah, great. Just wanted to clarify that as well. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, it's that even exchange because God is faithful. Name of the podcast, right? God is faithful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that I've been trying to instill into to my sons when we talk about how God works, um, is that there's this aspect of permission from us, you know, like I always tell them like, and, and we've talked about this before, like that, you know, especially, you know, in, in confirmation, for example, when you're confirmed and let's be honest, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of kids that get confirmed, not by their own decision making, but, you know, because parents are pressuring them Oh, this is what you do. This is our tradition. This is what we've always done. All our kids always get confirmed. And so, okay, mom, dad, I'll do it, whatever, you know, thanks for the hundred dollars 
after getting confirmed and um you know that that fancy dinner um and they just go about their way and they forget that dude there's the holy spirit following you around for the rest of your existence for the rest of your life and you know just waiting for you to tap into to that promise that you made and that the holy spirit and god made with you and and so the way i explain it to my boys is that you know god is always going to be there waiting for you to give him permission to work in your life and i think this this reading is an example of um you know he's going to fulfill his covenant and he's waiting to do what he can in your life um but he needs your permission you know like he can't do anything if you don't allow him to steer your life you know and and so one of the things i i tell my sons is that you know when you're praying that's kind of giving god the permission to act in your life you know to fulfill that role that he has in your life um and and i think that's that's what it is like he's just waiting to to follow through with that promise because he's not going to leave you know even though you don't feel like doing it today he's not going to be the one to be like well i guess you know i'm not he needed here i'm going to leave he's just gonna you know take off instead it's it's you know god's going to keep his promise whether you keep it or not um and just going to what you were saying about how you know some people view how things happen in their life as you know god's not helping me out and, and i think the story of noah is such a a powerful template to recognize how things work sometimes um you know in, in terms of god's timing and, and how he works when you think about you know all the people and all the animals in the world getting destroyed by water that's that's a pretty graphic um thing you know but i think it's a template of you know for things to change you know things need to happen you know if if you want to leave a job that you hate you got to lose a job or you got to quit a job something needs to give something needs to change and only when that change happens which you know by by all means a lot of people are afraid of that kind of change you know for you know it's 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 really scary to to have such a world you know worldwide change such as a flood you know and then you you know you translate that into your world and having your whole world flooded and, and getting everything washed away, that's a scary idea. Um, but once you give God permission to work in that way, um, things change and it might hurt at first, but eventually you see, okay, there was a reason why he washed all those things away to reset so that he could help me get to where I needed to be. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm hearing like the theme of fresh start and, and let me just reframe again so permission we'll use that word permission so and my my question to our listeners is you know are you willing to give god permission even when things on the outside don't look good because i think we're willing to give god permission when things are good and great and going our way but are we willing to give god permission to work in our lives through our lives when the chips are down it's it's almost like people want to see the car before God says, Hey, I'm gonna give you a car. Like, wait, let me see the car first. You know, (laughs) it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like let him give you the car and it'll get you to where you need to go. You know? And, um, I think too, you know, too many times, like we want to see the fine print first and it's like, it it doesn't work that way. You know, you just gotta, 
that's that's where the faithfulness comes in and just you know you just let them trust and you know what what we always say you know between the three of us let god steer you know like just get in the car if if god's you know showing up with a car just get in the car you know let him take you where you need to be and, and you just gotta trust and um you know i think that's an example of uh you know the the covenants like get in the car mm, you know yeah. give them your permission get in the car and just go yeah. bro I've, I've been riding shotgun for a long time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm like you know jesus take the wheels like bro you you've been i i've been in shotgun for a minute and and it kind of again not to like sidetrack or go off the deep end here but it even reminds me of the scripture of the pruning of the thorns right pruning in the sense that things are gonna have to be taken away yeah out of your life and it's gonna hurt it might not feel good but again we always talk about faith over feelings right and facts over feelings not to discount our feelings um because they're important but at the same token we gotta like figure out the bigger picture or not even figure out but like be open to that bigger picture so thank you for that jay any last thoughts on the first reading before we go into the responsorial yeah you you quickly mentioned that it was it was a a foreshadowing of Jesus's baptism and prefigure is definitely the the right word here. And it, it prefigures um, all baptism, like baptism in general, because, you know, the reason why, if you look uh, in the chapters before Genesis, why God decided to destroy the world, it was be looking at the world and seeing the wickedness of humanity. This prefigures baptism because what does, what happens in baptism? We are washed of the guilt of original sin. We're made a new creature. We're clothed in Christ and we become a new creation. That's a right out of the catechism. We're born again. <laughs> and that's when we first form that covenant. We are brought into the new and eternal covenant formed in Jesus' blood. Is in we enter into that covenant through baptism. So looking now at a the responsorial psalm. Your ways, O Lord, are love and truth to those who keep your covenant. So we talked about covenant in that first in that first reading. It's important to know what a covenant is, you know, and um, and where are the covenants in our in our lives. I mentioned baptism, where we form that first relationship, that bond with God, and where we um, accept the life of God in us and through baptism as we receive the Holy Spirit. We're made sons and daughters of God through baptism. Um, and that entails certain responsibilities as his, as his children. My favorite definition has been described as uh, an exchange of persons, you know, throughout the old Testament in, um, in Exodus, Leviticus, uh, and numerous prophets, they return to this idea that, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. A covenant is an exchange of persons where I give you, I give you myself and you give me yourself. One of the natural covenants that we, that we see all the time is marriage. You know, that's supposed to be a lifelong commitment where I give myself to my wife and my, and my wife gives herself to me and we belong to each other. We become one in, in that sense. And that in, entails a certain relationship. And we have to keep that covenant means living in accord with that relationship. You know, so if I'm going to be married to my wife, I'm not going to go and, you know, like start, you know, relationships with other women, because that's not 
<laughs> that's not keeping the covenant. I would no longer be giving my, uh, being faithful to the promise of me giving myself exclusively to my wife. And that's what, what God is doing in forming this covenant. He's giving himself to us. Uh, it's proper and appropriate that we give ourselves back to him in this exchange of persons. And so what does it mean to keep a covenant with God? Love and truth. And that's why we say that in the responsorial psalm. And we, we live as loving creatures of our creator. Uh, we live uh, lovingly to everyone we meet because that's what we are. That's, we're made in God's image, God who is love. And so it's only natural that we are made to love and be loved and to do those things in truth. You know, God gave us an intellect so that we can know things, you know, not know falsehoods, but know the truth because that's what, um, uh, that's a, akin to love. I got three words that you, everything you said translates into, you know, pop culture, ride or die. I mean, that's, <laughs> That's basically what, you know, what people, you know, especially in our generation, what people expect of, you know, when you say ride or die, you know, like we, we all know from pop culture, from movies, but, you know, there's, there's that general definition of you stick with your friend, no matter what, you know, you'll always have their back. They'll always have yours, you know, and in the same way, that's, that's kind of, you know, if, if you don't truly, if you don't get church teaching sometimes and how the church words things, um, that's ultimately what it is. You know, the, a covenant is pretty much in, in slang terms, a ride or die, you mm -hmm. know, and to the, to the extreme, I mean, you know, the man went on the cross for all of us, you know what I'm saying? So like, you, you can't get any more ride or die than that. You know, like he was going to stick with you to the point where he sacrificed himself for you, you know, to pay for, for what, you know, you were meant to suffer for. Um, and so, you know, just, just to kind of, you know, shift the lens, you know, from church teaching to, to what, you know, friends in the neighborhood might understand, you know, it's like, if, if you don't understand, um, you know, theology, you know, you will understand, you know, the, the relationship that God wants to have with you is truly a ride or die relationship, you know, in the same way that, you know, he wants to have your back, you know, he wants to be able to count on you to do the same, you know, and not necessarily to, to sacrifice your life, but just to, to follow, you know, in the example set by, by Christ for you. Um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the, the best ways to explain it, you know, to people who aren't inside of the faith already. Cause you know, one thing that I've, I've recognized over time is that, you know, seeing, our faith from outside the church can be totally different from how those of us inside of the faith understand and perceive it, you know? Um, and so it, I think it just takes that first step of, of faith to truly understand what this covenant truly means, you know, to, to have someone that's going to be there for you. You know, the, the translation of I will be your God and you will be my people we're going to be ride or die for each other, you know, is, is kind of the, the, the street way of saying that. And, you know, if you really dissect that concept and you have, you know, the ultimate being of the universe 
wanting to have your back like that, I mean, I I think you would truly understand like, yeah, that's what covenant means. It's not just, you know, um, you come to church and I'll do something for you. If you stop coming to church, then I'm just going to punish you. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. You know, and I, and I know I know that's also a challenge that a lot of people have. It's like, oh, I'm getting punished because, you know, I'm not doing A, B or C. It's like, no, not not necessarily. Your decisions are going to lead to certain outcomes. Um, but even when you make those decisions and the outcomes don't necessarily align with what God's, you know, leading you to do, he's still going to be there for you. He's still going to be ride or die for you um, because that's what the covenant is. He already gave himself to you. And so he's not going to abandon you, even if you if you start going sideways. I just want to add one little note to that. It's I think those are the perfect words, ride or die, because the only way out of a covenant is a death of one of the parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that actually speaks volumes about what about the meaning of the death of Christ, you know, and how. Um, he, how he brokers a new covenant, a new kind of pact, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and you know, just to even piggyback off that, you know, we can always go with, yeah, and Christ died for us, but even after that, all the martyrs, mm. right? The rider die. I think of the martyrs who were like, I will not denounce my faith, take my life. And, and I know Carlos like, you know, it's not that extreme, but it was that extreme for some. Um, because that was the one thing that they couldn't take away from people. And I think it's something, you know, to remind ourselves of is our prayer life cannot be taken away from us no matter what our situation is. You know, now how we pray can, it may, may change the where we pray, but we, you know, can never be taken away from us. And I think that, you know, I wanted to circle back real quick before we get onto the second reading, what what Jay was talking about was, you know, the covenants of marriage and, you know, Devin shot, he's the, the author of the Custos, consecration that we're doing to St. Joseph. And there's a couple lines from today's uh, readings that he wrote. And I just want to just, you know, read this verbatim. He says, the sacrament of marriage is an intense fire that purifies a man, that purifies and perfects a man. Right. So thinking about a marriage, how it is an intense fire that will purify and perfect a man. And just because, again, this is for the St. Joseph consecration, but and a woman. Right. And then it goes on to say, you know, um, every blessing has its curse and every curse has its blessing. And by means of your espousal to your wife, you will receive some of the greatest blessings, but also endure bitter tests, trials and hardships and purifications. So just to sum that up, right, just for our listeners out there, marriage is meant to be difficult it is meant to be challenging and sometimes it may feel like a, a curse but there's a curse and a blessing and a blessing and the curse and i think that's where we then have to remember what we talked about with be giving god permission we have to then remember that you know this is iron sharpens iron right this is why we have these conversations and these dialogues this is why we bring you know clarity to the table and i think there's so many things that we can pull from that type of covenant and we see the covenant not being treated as ride or die we most covenants of marriage that we see now are ride until i'm done yeah. <laughs> and then just let me off me, you know what i'm saying like, stop over there. 
<laughs> ride until the first oil change, you know what I'm saying? Ride until, you know, the um, you know, till the new model comes out, right? The new the new twenty twenty two version comes out, right? Like and I, I think that's where imagine if you know, people really saw it from that perspective, right? Even outside of like the church teaching perspective, but lifelong partner. Mm-hmm. And I and I wanna Someone wanna that, add something too. Um, Absolutely. You know, I think one other misconception out there is that you have to be like you just have to be a straight up priest, you know, to 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 do to fulfill that will. And I think one of the things that, you know, people outside of the fold need to understand is that, you know, just as you know, we're talking about marriage, you know, and and how, you know, I respect my wife's gifts. I respect my wife's um you know, goals for herself. And I, and I, you know, honor and and love those things about her, you know, as she does the same for me in the same way, your covenant with God is, is also a, a cooperation with who you are and what you are, you know, like, so you don't have to be a priest. You don't have to be none. Those that's not necessarily for everyone. Um, but it's a cooperation of the things that make you who you are. Um, and so, when you enter into that covenant and you fulfill that covenant, it's not, not now you're not meant to be a priest. You're not meant to, you know, do all the other things um, that you see other people doing. Um, He's going to work with what you are and who you are and how he made you. Um, And I think that's important because that doesn't necessarily mean I need to give up my music. I need to give up my career. No, you need to use those things that you've worked for and that are a part of you and that you love. And God will inject you into where you need to go with the gifts that he's given you. Um, you know, and I, and I just want to throw that in cause I think a lot of people think that, Oh, I have to, you know, be a certain way, um, you know, to fulfill the mold of that covenant. It's like, mm-mm. you know, there's a specific mold that God made and only you have the ability to fill that mold and he's going to work with that mold. And, um, you know, that's how your life gets fulfilled, you know, by walking with Christ, by letting him steer, because, um, we're using you. We're not making you into someone else. And I think that's the aspect of covenant that often gets kind of overlooked. Mm, Look at that. We're only at the responsorial and we are just diving deep. This is what Blaze Ministry 707 is all about. And as we move to the next reading, I do want to talk about, or just as, you know, the last final thought before this next, before Jay jumps into this next reading is just what you said, bro. It's like this idea of this covenant and how we look at it and how we, you know, how we take it serious or not. And when you're talking about, it doesn't mean just being religious or whatever it might be, the idea is we're one body. And like Jay said, the covenant is for everybody. And God is going to be faithful to that all day, every day. And I think what happens is it's not like God is going to say, well, if you do the YouTube channel for me, and if you speak for me, and if you become a priest for me, or if you become a sister for me, like, that's not what we're talking about. And I think that is a huge misconception. But the question is, whatever gifts you do have, whether it's music, sports, science, whatever it might be, are you pointing to God? Are you giving him the glory? And do people know that? And I think that's where people struggle. 
Um, so just, you know, the sidebar or, you know, just a, a thought for our, you know, all of our listeners out there, you know, the gift that you have, that you've been given, that you know, you do well, that one thing that everyone says, man, you're a natural or man, you're really good at that. Even if it doesn't have anything to do with the church, you can still glorify God. Mm-hmm. You can still bring people mm-hmm. to God with that gift. Um, I always use the term Miami as I do this in this training. And Miami is uh, an acronym, obviously not for the sunny Miami, Florida. But, you know, make it a ministry immediately. No matter where you are and what you're doing, mm-hmm. no matter what your job is, whether you're a secretary, custodian, you know, sales manager, wherever you're at, make it a ministry immediately. And if you can find the ministry in the work that you do, people will see God in you. And you don't even say anything about God. You know, and yeah. I think that's really something important to understand about this covenant, y'all, this covenant that God mm. fulfills, whether we give him permission or not. So, um, and again, and if you're curious about where we're talking about for permission, was that on this podcast or the last one? This one, I think. Yeah, it's about the first reading. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, y'all. You know, we're in podcast mode. So, <laughs> if you haven't checked out our Lent edition podcast, be sure to check that special edition out that we released uh, the day after Ash Wednesday. But, hey, um, so, my bad. Brother Jay, let's go ahead. Take us through the second reading. So, this the second reading is from the first letter of Peter, uh, not just one of the... 12, but, you know, he's the leader of the apostles. Catholics kind of view Peter as the first pope. So, you know, now we have Pope Francis, who's the head of the universal church. Um, here we, we we see a letter from Peter, who was um, one, of, one of the original 12. Just wanted to throw that in there, just so we know who's, who's talking. <laughs> um, but he, he's speaking from experience, and he knows that Christ suffered for sins once, the righteous for the sake of the unrighteous, that he might lead you to God, put to death in the flesh, he was brought to life in the spirit. So he is speaking with an awareness of uh, we might call the Old Covenant. Another word for the Old Testament is the Old Covenant, what God established with humanity through uh, first Noah, then Abraham and Moses, and the various covenants that God forms with them. They, they are all at once fulfilled and, in a sense, kind of rendered completed or perfected in Christ because, because of Christ's death. And that's why he refers to that Jesus was put to death in the flesh. And then he's brought to life in the spirit. You know, when we're talking about his resurrection. Here we should reference a new covenant. The new co- and this is something that Jesus says at the Last Supper. Oh, actually, actually, no, um, Paul, he mentions how this new covenant is a new covenant in Christ's blood, right? And the fact that it's Jesus who is brokering this new covenant between humanity and God, because he is both God and man, and because he can no longer die, it's an eternal covenant because he's resurrected, right? The new covenant is instituted with his resurrection, there's no way out of this covenant now because Jesus is the one who brokered it and he can't die. Right. And the only way out of a covenant is through death. You, you, wow. you can kind of see the little syllogism there, but anyway. Oh. Um, and so that's why he's referencing all, all this stuff. You know, God was patient. He was waiting for the day 
of Christ. You know, he's, he was building, like humanity was, uh, um, along with God's help, was building that ark, which will be the ark of the cross, right? Until finally, um, by the water that flows out of Christ's side, uh, washing away our sins through the sacraments and, and the grace of the sacraments, we will be preserved in this new and eternal covenant, which will take us to heaven. So a lot happening here in, in this little letter, uh, and this little part of a, of a letter. You know, I think the thing that stands out to me the most about this, especially when it's talking about how um, God waited even, you know, during the time of Noah, getting all these things done. I think that this was all planned, you know, and I think the the planning is a very important aspect. And, and to expand on that, it's like if you found out someone threw a little birthday party for you just because at the last minute, you know, um, they found, oh, dude, it's my best friend's birthday. I better, you know, I better call some friends. Let's all meet up, you know, get some some buffalo wings and, you know, let's let's have a little celebration. Versus if you had a friend that, knew your birthday was coming one month in advance and this friend did everything they could to prepare that celebration. Um, of course you'd automatically, you know, recognize that, you know, the friend that planned ahead, you know, put a little more time and effort into, into planning this, this major aspect. And I think this just goes to show that, you know, in, in relation to everyday life, that everything that you're experiencing is part of a plan that, that God has set for you. Like there's a place that's been made for you specifically. Um, if, if, if God can, you know, set the whole world up and, you know, from the beginning of the story all the way up to now setting everything up so that things are parallel, you know, like I remember, you know, reading through some of Scott Hahn's books, like Jeremy mentioned, um, you know, Jesus died on the cross. The ark was made of cross. You know, there's that that parallel that was kind of letting us know, hey, something's coming down the line. You know, there's there's also the aspect that, um, you know, the the hill that Abraham was supposed to sacrifice Isaac was also the same area that Jesus eventually was was crucified because. You know, God's not going to ask you to do something that he himself's not going to do. So he asked Abraham to be willing to sacrifice his son. And so he said, nope, wait. But then he fulfilled that by by doing it himself. And I think, um, you know, this is this reading is an example of, um, you know, that that plan has been intricately and, you know, patiently been made. And everything has been put into place so everything would happen just to make a space for each and every one of us in his kingdom. You know, everything was set up. Um, and, and that's that's kind of what speaks to me about, you know, you know the, the idea of God patiently waited in the days of Noah because he knew all this was going to happen. Um, you know, so if, if he can do that with the whole world, then that means there's a spot you know, for you. And that's, that's the covenant, you know, that's part of the covenant. Like he's made that spot for you. He's waiting for you to give him permission to let him work in your life, um, to get you to the place that he made for you specifically. 
I, I just wanted to, um, for our listeners, like a great book that uh, Brother Carlo would mention that specifically talks about the covenant would be Scott Hahn's A Father Who Keeps His Promises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the book that where he kind of outlines uh, salvation history and the, the covenants that God forms with his people. It's very accessible and is uh, very well organized and concise, you know. Yeah, it's on, uh, I think it's uh, it's an audio book too with actually Scott Hahn. Well, no, not actual Scott Hahn. Someone else is reading it. But yeah, if you don't <laughs> got time to read, like listen on the commute. Yeah, it's a good book. Absolutely. And we'll, and we'll be sure to put that link in the show notes. And uh, before we go on to the gospel, just something that really, you know, I was thinking about as both of you were sharing. I remember, Jay, you would always talk about how, you know, the differences that, you know, St. Paul and St. Peter would have in terms of, you know, their relationship and their lingo and how you would tell me about how all the different writers had a different style of writing and speaking because of their experience, their background and who they were, what they did for a profession or a career and things of that nature. And, you know, St. Paul always is talking about suffering, right? His suffering in the jail, even though he knows the outcome and why it's important to suffer and um, just, you know, and St. Paul is here talking about Christ suffering. And I like how he's bringing out, you know, the fact that why he did it, even though he didn't have to, right? For the righteous, for the sake of the unrighteous, or the righteous for the sake of the unrighteous. And the fact that, you know, he was put to death in flesh, but he was brought to life in the spirit. So I just kind of like how there's this contrast for me anyways, and how I'm taking it in where St. Paul is really, or St. Peter, I should say, is really talking, you know, shedding light on the model and that it wasn't just, you know, for, you know, just to die, right? There was so much more to every action that and every suffering that Jesus had, which is a reminder to our suffering that there is a reason for it. And I think, again, just in the theme, God is faithful. We just have to trust that and know that for whatever sufferings we endure, how long, no matter how long or how short, right, there is going to be something deeper or something bigger than us that it's serving. And that's what I love about this reading. And it's deep. Don't get me wrong, y'all. For all of our listeners out there, if you're just getting into the Bible or you just hit it on Sunday or this might be your only time you listen to it, like it is a lot to to take in. Um, but just, you know, something to consider just like really looking at this reading specifically on how the actions not only were meant for the then, but even for the now and even for the future. I mean, there's just so much there, so much there. So, all right, so we're going to move on to the last, to the last reading. And the last reading comes from the gospel of Mark chapter one, verses 12 through 15. So the gospel, um, and and I, I mentioned how, uh, last time that Mark is the gospel of action. It, it, it's also been called like by scholars, the, the breathless gospel, because it just seems like um, every transition into a new scene is Jesus immediately went here and then he went here and then he did this. So the, the gospel of Mark opens with Jesus's baptism. That's what we, we're not reading here. You know, this is a short gospel, but right. And this is only 12 verses in to the gospel. But uh, uh, if you look before, we read about Jesus's baptism. 
you know, there, and there's that reference to the flood there, right? Right after the baptism, the spirit drove Jesus out into the desert for 40 days. And there's the 40 days motif. And uh, what's important about 40 days in ancient Jewish numerology, the number 40 signifies both purification, but also preparation. There was the rain for 40 days and then um, the waters receded over the course, I believe it was over the course of 40 days as well. There was the 40 years in the de- wandering the desert, the prophet Elijah who walked 40 days to the, to the mountain of God. And then now we have Jesus who was out in the desert for 40 days uh, as a preparation to his, his ministry. And as soon as he comes out of the desert and John has, had been arrested, Jesus starts by proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the time of preparation is over. The kingdom of God is now. <laughs> That's basically what Jesus is saying. <laughs> so, and it's crazy right how this is like, with this the first Sunday of Lent and the, this reading is talking about how Jesus goes in and how John is already like proclaiming like this is the time of fulfillment because he knows what's 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 going to happen in a sense he knows what's going to come but just to just to start this piece off like what really sticks out to me now and has stuck out to me in the last couple of years with this reading specifically is again in the first you know, the first line, right? The spirit drove Jesus out into the desert. And, you know, when I think about the spirit leading Jesus into the desert, you know, I think about, like you say, this is preparation. And every good coach, every good mentor, every good person knows it's going to take some training it is going to take, yeah, this is training camp, training camp, right? And I just think about <laughs> how many times in our lives is God wanting to put us in some type of uncomfortable situation, some growing pain, something in our lives because he's trying his best to offer opportunities to prepare us for the next thing. And we see Jesus, you know, um, retreating away to go and pray for a day, right? And I love what you said, you know, about the breathless gospel because he's, you know, always on the grind, always working, always doing that. But notice, I think it's fitting because look at all the training and preparation. We'll just use kind of that that theme here of the 40 days and 40 nights on in the environment. It's not like he just, you know, prayed for 40 days and 40 nights by himself. I mean, not, you know, like in a nice, comfortable situation, like his environment was not ideal. And the temptations were there as we're going to, you know, unfold and unpack as these weeks go. And so I just feel like, but the reason he's there is because the spirit drove him there. So how many times do we always catch ourselves in a situation and we're asking ourselves, like, how do we get here? You know, or we question why we're there. But what if we change that a little bit and said, okay, God, what do you have planned for me now? What if we said, okay, God, what are you developing out of me today in this situation? What if we took just those first, that first line and apply that in our lives to everything challenging and everything hard and said, oh, the spirit drove me to this situation. The spirit drove me out into this 
you know, into South Carolina where we're, where I'm recording this podcast from, like with no connections out here, no friends, no family, just my wife and I, the spirit drove me out. So that's in my mindset. Like, all right, God, what do you have planned? And I understand that because I continue to give permission that it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging, which is more reason why I'm reminded of the covenant in the baptism. Right. So, so yeah, y'all just for me, just even that first line is still something that I really just like really love. And then Jay, you just kind of opened my mind up to the second part of this reading where, you know, after John's arrested and, you know, he's like, yo, it's about to go down. <laughs> like y'all don't even know it's about to go down. The one before me who I can't even take off his sandals, it's about to go down. And I just love how, you know, even with with John the Baptist, and we know what happened to him, his feast day of his beheading is on my birthday. But, you know, we we know, again, like, I just love that, just, just that thought of like, hey, y'all, repent and believe in the gospel because it's about to go down. Because my man is in training camp, and I baptized him right before he went into training camp. And if you were there at his baptism and seen what I seen, <laughs> I'm telling you, he's going to come out beast mode right I just I just like I just play that in my mind you know the timeline of that what that could be like so so yeah you know so let's ask ourselves why is the spirit why is God driving us into the situations we're in right now in this moment in this time of Lent I mentioned 40 days because it you know it's purification and preparation we we need that um that kind of reset uh you know, we've been talking about covenant, covenant, covenant. Your part in the covenant is giving yourself to the other, right? And you can't give yourself if you don't have yourself, if you don't first possess yourself, you know? And you need to be able to, you need to have that self-mastery and fully possess yourself to be able to give yourself uh, to someone else. If you're lost to addictions, if you're lost to bad habits and your ego, your pride, your greed, you're not going to be able to give yourself to anyone, much less God. <laughs> That's really what the spirit is trying to do for us uh, and draw us out into this desert where everything is stripped away, where we can unlearn. And that's kind of been a big buzzword in in, in the self-help uh, circles is unlearning, you know, all of our bad habits and, and the, our unhealthy idiosyncrasies and those sorts of things so that we can fully possess ourselves. And in this case, what we're really striving to do is be what we are, which is children of God. There's no unhappiness in being what you are. When you become what you are fully, that's beatitude. That's what, that's all the only thing that God is asking us to do. And it's kind of going on what, what brother Carlo was talking about earlier, you know, with your gifts and talents, those are, those are little clues as to who you really are, you know, who God wants you to be. And that's where your happiness lies, you know? Mm -hmm. mm. Hey, man, I know there's someone right now listening to this podcast saying, you know, they know who they are. They know what they got. They know how it's going to glorify God, but they are still not giving permission. I'm going to tell you right now, mm -hmm. give it to God. Mm -hmm. If that's you listening to this podcast right now, you already know who you are. Don't be ashamed to be it. And I think that's where many people struggle. Many of us struggle. So, um, yeah, Bro Silo, 
I mean, a, a few things, you know, bouncing off of uh, what Brother Jeremy's saying, you know, like, um, and, and let me start with this. You know, when, when I was training to be a firefighter um, and as a paramedic, um, one of the things they warned us about was like, do not give each other high fives after you put a fire out, you know, like homeowners watching you, like they just lost everything in the house. Like, why are you giving each other high fives? And and that just kind of goes to, to what Jeremy was saying. Like, you know, there's, there's going to be happiness in being who you are. And I bring up the firefighter example because, you know, one of some of the most unhappiest firefighters, paramedics, you know, um, you know, probably any of those, you know, first responder professions, I'm going to say are the ones that don't get to do what they were trained to do. You know, if you don't get to fulfill your purpose, um, in being who you are and what you are, it's, there's, there's just something that's not, you know, fulfilling you, you know, you could have trained, gone to school, but if you're just sitting all day and you don't actually, you know, get to push medications, you don't actually get to put a fire out. You don't actually get to be who you trained to be and who you wanted to be. There's, there's kind of a lack of happiness there. Um, and how I feel like, you know, it relates to, to the gospel, um, especially with, you know, preparation and purification uh, via the 40, you know, the the 40 days, 40 years, 40, 40 nights. Um, I think this is how, you know, again, going back to God sets things up, sets up traditions that are actually tools for, for each human being um, to achieve you know, their, their true self, their full self, their self that God intended them to be. I think the 40 days is the setup for that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw out another analogy. You know, it's like, you know, Tom Brady won so many Super Bowls, right? You know, he won one back way early 2000s, his first one. But yet he continues to keep trying to win another Super Bowl, you know, and, and, as you'll hear from from any championship team, um, last year's championship doesn't matter anymore. You know, like we're working towards this new one. And and I bring up that analogy because I think one of the things that I've I've come to understand in the in the short time that I've been alive is that there is no one and done in life. You know, what I'm saying like one of the things I always believe is that there's infancy in all stages of life. You know, when you're a baby, you're an infant, you're starting to learn how to walk, you're learning how to talk, you're learning how to use your hands. Um, when you're in high school, there's infancy in that adolescent stage where you're still learning about it. Um, when you gra- when you start college, there's that infancy of being on your own um, and learning about those things. When you get married, there's infancy in that because you're learning to be a husband, you're learning to be a spouse, you know one of the hardest infancies I've ever experienced is having an infant of my own, you know, like you're learning to be a parent. Um, and I'm, and one day I'm going to learn to be a parent of, of a teenager. But what I'm saying is that through the course of one's life, there's a championship to be won every single year. Like it doesn't just stop because, Oh, I graduated college. Okay. I could just roll over now. Um, and how it relates to, to the covenant and giving of yourself, I believe is, like there's work to be done, you know, there's work to be done 
in 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 God's kingdom and furtherance of God's glory and kingdom. You know, whether it be you need to get that job so that you could, you know, make that money so that you can do the things to help, you know, the church do its mission. You know, maybe, you know, you need to, to become this profession so you can go travel and use your profession to help this person in South Carolina. You don't know why you were sent out there, but, um, you know, it's for that one reason that God needs you to be out there and you gave yourself to that mission. Um, and so going back to the 40 days, I think it's it's a championship every single year. It's a training camp every year. It's a chance to to prepare yourself you know, to strive for that championship, to fulfill that mission. Um, Cause it doesn't just happen once, you know, it's an ongoing thing. You know, I think, you know, both of you know that there's a challenge um, in, in doing this, you know, and those 40 days prepare us, you know, to, to get to that point. I mean, and, and, and just a side note, it's like, it's, it's, it's interesting when, you know, non-catholics ask you know where is it in the bible i'm like it's right there you know that's lent right there you want to be like jesus you got to act like jesus you know what i'm saying like you want to you want to you want to be like him you want to be like mike you know um like michael jordan you gotta you know shoot that free throw 500 times every day well you want to be like jesus well there's that 40 days that he went out into the desert he fasted and prayed and you know that's that's where we get it from and i think he's modeling that behavior to show us like, this is how you achieve, you know, in my father's mission, this is how you do it. You know, you set yourself up, you strip away all the non-essentials and you strengthen yourself. You do that training camp. And then when you're done with it, then you'll be ready to take on that mission. And then when you're beaten down and life is hard, we come back around the circle, you go back to training camp and you do it all over again. And it's just that constant, you know, preparing to, to do the work and, and, and doing your part in the covenant. Um, you know, and, and, and that's all the, you know, in the flash, what, you know, what that reading means to me, you know, it's like, you know, that modeled behavior, he's showing us the tools and, you know, like just going back to, you know, what Jeremy was saying about bad habits and, and bad tendencies, um, you know, on their practical sense, non-spiritual sense, even just from, you know, just from psychology without getting into the religious side of it, you stop a habit. All those neurons in your brain that support that habit, if you stop that habit, all those neurons start fading away. And, you know, it, it's interesting. It's like, how come God didn't just make Lent, you know, five days, didn't make it seven days? Well, you know, from the from the psychological perspective, from the neurology perspective or neurobiology perspective, it takes a really long time for habits to change, for old bad habits to die away. 40 days sounds like about a good number, you know, um, in, in brain chemistry in order for that to happen. So, it, you know, again, it just goes back to we know it as tradition, but man, there's so much practicality behind how that tradition translates into to human behavior and human psychology. Beautiful, bro. Beautiful. Brother Jay, final thoughts. I want to end with the quote with where the gospel ends today. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Deciding to live for that covenant and to give yourself in covenant to, to God and to your spouse and, to have that commitment 
it begins with that one decision to turn, to adjust, to um, to turn back. And that's what repent means is to turn back. You know, we may have turned our backs on God, but all it takes is that one time to, and, and you know, the, as it's commonly said, like the journey of a thousand steps begins or a thousand miles begins with a single step, right? That's the first step. You do have to choose it every day. You know, it's a, it's an everyday choice. Beautiful. And, and just to share my last final thoughts as well, couple of different things from both of your sharings and thank you again this is a, a beautiful time that we have together it's a blessing that we have this time together um, but to tie into the theme and even the title of this podcast god is faithful and like brother carlos said we get this chance again this new season of lent again and if that's not god being faithful to you because no matter where you are in your faith, whether you're, you know, you've strayed away, whether you fell, fell apart, whether you're still going strong, God's faithfulness is saying, look, we're going to have another chance. We're going to have another opportunity. So wherever you are in your journey is where you're meant to be. And just to, you know, um, illuminate what Jay said, small steps lead to great distances. Small steps lead to great distances. And as Jesus is walking in the desert by himself, you know, praying and fasting as our role model, our small steps will lead to great distances. Your small steps will lead to great distances. So no matter what happened last Lent, you know, especially last Lent, everyone wants to forget about 2020. And, you know, last year at this time, we weren't thinking that we were going to have to shut everything down. I know I wasn't. How was it? Matter of fact, uh, I looked at a memory. We were in Mexico. We were in Mexico and we found a church in Mexico uh, where we you know, got ashes for Ash Wednesday. But just thinking about what it was last year, not thinking it was going to be a pandemic. So maybe that threw people off, which I know it did for many. Or maybe you had a bad couple of Lent experiences, right? Many have the, oh, I'm going to do this, do this, do that. And then all of a sudden they fall off and then they just don't even try so just like Jay said, get back on. Even if you mess up, get back on. You are one action away. You are one action away from getting back in the zone is kind of the saying that I always like to use. So um, small steps lead to great distances. No matter where you are, you get a fresh start. All these readings today have just shared the richness of how much God wants to continue to have our best interest, our true joy, our true happiness with him. And everything we already have is already within us. And in all the different readings from Jesus's example to what he did, why he did it, to where we, what are we doing with it today? There's so much there. So our invitation to you, as always, is, you know, what is your next step? What is the one thing that you want to work on next for yourself? How are you going to approach this Lent and make it different than every other Lent that you've had in the past? Or if this is your first time trying, you know, find community, find people who will support you, you know, get uh, support from people who are practicing Lent. I think that's the biggest challenge we have with the season of Lent is sometimes we don't have this community. And I'm thankful for you, brothers, because this, it, you know, it's past midnight we're already in the next day here in south carolina at the time of this recording and the, you know the holy spirit is keeping me going why because the spirit drove me here because god's like yo i need you to get uncomfortable 
so that for the next 40 days, whatever I'm going to put in front of you, you'll be ready spiritually, emotionally, physically. So for all of our, our brothers and sisters out there listening, we know this is uh, an uphill battle. You are not alone. Blaze Ministry 707, the Project Weststone podcast is here to help shape and sharpen your faith in any way that we can by sharing our experiences of the Catholic faith growing up in the 707. So as always, continue to pray for us because we will always be praying for you. God bless y'all. Brothers, thank you all again for, for your time and your wisdom. Till the next one, y'all. Till the next one. Peace. Thanks for having us.